Welcome to Made for Profit, a podcast where we talk business in the shop and help you monetize as a maker. Each week we cover business topics to help you grow your full-time business or your side hustle. We'll also bring you interviews from a variety of people winning in their space to share valuable business insights and life lessons. I'm Brad Rodriguez, a full-time content creator running FixThisBuildThat.com, and my co-host John Malecki runs a full-time furniture company and his content site, JohnMalecki.com. We've been growing our successful businesses online, and we want to bring you into the conversation and help you grow along with us. Welcome to episode 123. We are stoked about today's guest who honestly shares some of what I think is the most valuable content that we've had to date. Tim Schmoyer is one of the premier YouTube experts, but the knowledge you're going to get out of this episode goes way past YouTube. Tim talks with us about finding your perfect customer, weaving a brand story, and finding and filling the needs of your customer. You guys are really going to love this one. Since 2011, Tim has been one of the leading YouTube strategists in the online video industry, with his company video creators being featured on Fox, Forbes, BBC, and even YouTube themselves. Those are some heavy hitters. His team trains creators and brands to master YouTube and use it as a place to spread messages that change lives. Their clients have organically grown by over 14 billion views, that's a B, and 61 million subscribers under Tim's guidance and his team. Today, he lives in Cincinnati, Ohio with his wife and seven children. And on this episode, brings so much knowledge, my head literally almost exploded. Yes, it is. It is really uh, one of my faves. But before we get into it, we do want to thank some new members that joined the MFP patron tribe. And by the way, welcome back. I know we've been gone for a while, but uh, we are in the new year after WorkbenchCon and we are fired up. We're going to have some great stuff for you. But we did want to thank Jared Groenman, Chris Philhauer, Jake Owens. Great music, by the way, Jake. Uh, Mezworks Furniture, Chad Hibbs, and CB Veteran Woodworks. If you want to support the show and get some awesome rewards, you can head over to patreon.com forward slash made for profit. But without further ado, let's get into our interview with Tim Schmoyer. All right, guys, welcome back. We are super excited for our guest today. He's going to be dropping all kinds of YouTube knowledge bombs on us. Tim Schmoyer, welcome to Made for Profit. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Absolutely, man. Uh, I know just personally, I have been following you since about 2015, 2016, and have gotten a ton of awesome knowledge, and and I love what you do to to help us spread our message and change people's lives. And, and, I, and I, I missed that slightly, but no, I think you got it. That's perfect. Good job. <laughs> so getting, getting into it, man, why don't, is for some of our followers who have not been following you since 2015, and may not know who you are. Why don't you just give us a, a quick background about who you are, what you do, and uh, then we can jump in. Yeah, I started on YouTube back in uh, 2006. I was in graduate school and I wanted to introduce my girlfriend to my family halfway across the country. And so this little thing called YouTube came up. I'm like, oh, I wonder if I could make like little videos of us going out on dates and things. And uh, now we would know them as vlogs, but back then that wasn't a word. <laughs> you know, it's just being awkward in public with the camera. <laughs> and so I and so I made my account and figured out how could I get, uh, do you guys remember this thing called Firewire? Do you guys remember that like back mm. in the day? Fire, no? you, fire yes. Like how to like it would you take your your camera and it would take like magnetic tape at that time, 
And then you would have the like transfer in real time, like play it on the camera and click record on the computer. <laughs> I don't know if you guys yeah, remember yeah, that. Yeah, it's like yeah, it's like recording your VHSs or something. You know, like yes, <laughs> that's exactly how it worked. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. So I, I figured out how to do that and got my very first video up on March second, two thousand six. It's a quick little thirty second video. Um, I think I called it test video. So, you know, I put a lot of creative energy into this thing. <laughs> and then uh, my girlfriend and I just started making making um, videos of us hanging out, um, going to the park, going to eat, going to the movies, whatever. And I would share those videos with my family back home. And I loved it because I didn't have to send them this big video file. They could just go to this link and click play. And that was like so mind blowing <laughs> back then. And... Before you know it, like other people started watching and I was a little freaked out because back in MySpace days, you don't use your real name on the internet. If anyone knew who you were, they would hunt you down and kill you for some reason and <laughs> all the horror news stories that were happening. So I got a little concerned of like, who is Cat Liquor 72 <laughs> Why do they keep watching my videos? How do they find me? Why do they keep coming back and watching more and I started trying to figure out the answer to those questions and nobody had answers for them back then. I'm like, well, I'm going to figure this out and uh, make a long story short. As other people started coming to me and they're like, hey, you're figuring this out. Can you help me too? And before I knew it, I was doing YouTube channel strategy for Disney, Warner Brothers, eBay, Budweiser, HBO. Um, I've heard uh, of all a few these, of those. All those big <laughs> brands. Yeah. All the way down to like creators who are like, I'm just getting started. How do I, how do I do this? And what I love most about it uh, is, is that it was to your kind of what you said earlier, Brad, it's like, I loved it because this wasn't just about, because back then there was no money on the platform. It was just like, there was no AdSense program or anything yet, but I loved it in, uh, I was a youth and family worker and I was reaching about a million people a month on YouTube at that time and working with 128 a month in my real job. <laughs> And I was like, and I was hearing the same stories of life change and impact coming out of these families and these teens and these people who are watching on YouTube as I was seeing in my real job. And I was like, man, if I want to like actually change the world and reach people and impact their lives, like YouTube's the place to do it. Then I thought, but what if I could, like I'm reaching my million people a month, but what if I could help other people with messages I don't have reach their million people a month? Now, what kind of impact could we have? And so our goal is to um, is to uh, help by uh, the 2025 personally work with 10,000 creators who we call life changers who are um, who have that kind of mission behind what they're doing on their channel and reaching people, changing their lives. And uh, so far, our clients have generated um, 14 billion views and 61 million subscribers on YouTube uh, with our guidance. So it's been a fun ride. And um, now I do this full time eight people who work for me here at video creators. And we just work with creators like yourself and help them reach more people, make more money, grow on the platform, grow their businesses, ultimately to change more lives. So it's been fun. Yeah, that's phenomenal. I mean, if pretty much it, it, that's the, that's how I know about you um, is from being on platform and, and, you know, uh, searching around for YouTube growth strategies or, or any type of guidance. Um, and the amount of wealth of, knowledge that that you seem to have for the platform is is like incredible how did you like at what point did you realize that this was more this could be a lot more strategic than just like uh you know 
hey, let's guess maybe this will work or maybe that'll work. Or like, you know, like, was it when analytics became available or did you, was your previous experience something that helped you like, you know, dive deeper into that? Yeah, I had previous experience. Um, So prior to YouTube, blogging was really blowing up. And this is prior to Facebook. Um, MySpace became a thing. I never had a MySpace account, but uh, it was, um, yeah, I had a blog that, and, and I was using it the way we use Facebook today. Like I was just sharing personal updates of for friends and family back home while I was in grad school. And I just started kind of writing about what I was most passionate about um, over time, which was youth and family work. And it became the most widely read blog on the internet and youth and family work space. And I learned a lot about audience development, about creating content regularly, how to produce content, what gets people to click and read and which a lot of those same principles then tied over to get people to click and watch, you know, just how do we get people to consume content? So, but yeah, no one was educating or training. There was just like a couple of blogs and other platforms back then of people who are just asking each other all good questions and we were all trying to figure it out together. And now the industry has obviously become much more professionalized and known, but I kind of like started in the beginning end of all of that and kind of grew up with it in, in that respect. So yeah, the blogging world helped me out a lot to kind of get started. Yeah, it sounds like someone else. <laughs> it's interesting. I started on my blog, not not way back, not way back then, but I started doing the blog too. I think that that is something that we talk about a lot, and it's it's interesting to hear that from you as well about um, you know this progression and how people come to YouTube and and people who have had experience you know doing content on blogs seem to have this you know, this other knack because they're like, okay, I, I know, like I've done this. I know how to write. Right. So I know how to write copy, mm-hmm. uh, which translates into to scripting and things like that. Um, and then maybe even social media, but you know, so w- when you see that, because a large part of our audience is, you know, we discussed this a little bit before we started is on Instagram. And I think like for us in, in our audience, that is definitely the biggest platform that people are familiar with. And so most of them are, you know, they're makers, So, you know, I was going to say creators, but not in the sense of video creators, but they're working with their hands. They're doing woodworking, leatherworking, metalworking, all these things, building things. And so Instagram is a great platform because you can go take pictures of that, the table you just made, the bowl you just turned, all these things. And people are very familiar with that. And so they've latched on. The struggle they're having is making that jump, especially if they are maybe a, a side hustler who's just trying to get their name out there. They don't necessarily want to be you know, the next Mr. Beast or, or even the next, you know, Colin Furs or anybody like that, but they just want to share their message on YouTube. What, what are the things, um, that you've seen work or help people like that who are, who have a firm grip on Instagram, they can do pictures and short form video, but they're like very like wary. They're like, I don't know how to start. I don't know what to do. You know, what does my voice look like on YouTube versus social media? Yeah. So how do you get started on the YouTube platform? Yeah. Basically. Yeah. So anyone who's trying to grow an Instagram knows is probably already familiar with this, which is like YouTube's a very crowded platform. <laughs> you know, yes. just like Instagram. <laughs> There's a lot of people. And I'm not an Instagram expert, but it seems to me that when people start trying to grow an Instagram, they just spam hundreds, it seems, of hashtags. Have you guys seen that yeah. kind of oh, yeah. thing or not? Yeah, really? it, well, no. it used to, and, and it doesn't work anymore. <laughs> exactly. Like, all the exactly. platforms are getting smarter, right? And so you can't right. do that stuff that like, just like, 
you know, when Google search engine first started, you could like just spam backlinks. Like, yeah, the hashtag right. spamming is not is not working. But yes, people no. do try that. <laughs> so that so that's kind of where YouTube's at, which is like when people come to YouTube, they do something similar, which is like, well, I need to do keyword research and I need to make sure that I'm using the right tags and that my stuff is like they they think technical, which right. is all the YouTube algorithms are designed to surface content that people respond to. Like people actually want to watch. And so the more you get people to actually, um, the more people actually watch and engage, the more valuable Google deems that video to be. So the kind of the thing that we recommend is when you're, when you're getting started, there's a couple of things you should consider, but the overall principle is optimize for people, not for robots. If you optimize for robots, you're going after the wrong thing. Eventually the robots will figure it out and they don't care. Like they're going to be like, we, we're not watching your content. We want people to watch your content. <laughs> so go after the thing the algorithms are actually going after, which is, uh, and are designed to measure, which is people. So when it comes to like, actually like, you know, so, something I'm maybe hopeful, a little bit more helpful than that <laughs> is, is like, it's really important that, you know, first of all, who your target audience is. And I don't just mean like, this is what I normally get. Uh, like I have a consultation coming up right after our, our call here. And one of the first questions that we talk about is like, who's your, you're trying to grow this channel. Who's your most ideal subscriber? Like who are you going after? Who is the, tell me about this person who's going to engage and watch every single piece of content that you produce. And typically They'll say like, well, someone between the age of like 18 and 65 <laughs> who lives in U.S., Australia, Canada, and U.K., speaks English, <laughs> has a pulse, you know? And I'm like, okay, that, like, remember, there's a lot of competition. If you want to gain traction on YouTube, you need to some make someone feel like, oh, this is for me. Like, where have you been my whole life? This is exactly what I've been looking for and create that kind of instant connection. And if you don't do that quickly, you're going to lose that person and they'll probably never come back. So the very, like one of the best ways to do that is just to know intimately who is this person you're going after. And I don't mean just some generic demographic info, but like I asked you guys before we even started recording, like who, who are we talking to here? Who's, who's the audience? And you guys had a very clear uh, understanding of like, who's this? It's not this person. But it's not that person either. It's like this person. And you actually it didn't go quite this far, but you almost told me this person's story in terms of like what their frustrations are and what their goals and desires are and the obstacles that they feel like are facing. Like those are elements that make up a really good story. So first of all, like you really need to know not just like a general idea, but the more intimately you know this person's story, the better you can make content that connects exactly with them and their story and helps them achieve what they want to achieve. So that's the first thing. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And and so just to, to build on that a little bit, Tim, because, uh, you know, I, I feel that fits perfectly as as the the YouTube creator. Right. How mm -hmm. do you see that play out, especially as you as you talk about uh, brands like, you know, so the brands that you've consulted with that are more product brands, they're not there to be an entertainment YouTube channel. Right. And in the DIY space, um, like there's a lot of ours who who want to do that, like myself and John, we make things to teach people. But I think there's mm -hmm. also a group of folks that want to, you know, that their idea is to sell the products. Does there, you know, is there differences there? Like John and I are selling content, we're selling knowledge. Is there a difference when you are uh, trying to sell tables and that that's what you're trying to do with your YouTube channel? 
like you're trying to sell the actual thing you just built. Right. Like the table or the thing you 3D printed or whatever. Correct. Or, you know, not necessarily spec, but you're just trying to lure in customers. You're trying to get more awareness to your product and your brand out there on, on YouTube. Yeah. So I like thinking about this and I, and I borrow a lot of this from Donald Miller's story brand stuff. Are you guys familiar with that? Very familiar. We love that. We we, we have that tip from you. We've talked about that on the podcast before. We're like, this book is amazing. Yeah. Story brand and primal branding. Those are awesome. Yeah. Well, let me go through the the story brand stuff kind of, and I'm not licensed or certified or anything like this of that, but um, I picked up a few things from it, which is, um, a good story, like you, like I kind of mentioned, you need to know your customer's story. And so if you want them to buy or make a transaction with you, it's going to be because your product or service solves a problem that they have. Okay. So in order to solve that problem, you need to know like these seven elements of any basic story that people will just love. And the, and the first one of any good story is one, who is the character? Two, what do they want? Three, why can't they have what they want? Four, what's at stake if they don't get what they want? Number five, who or what comes along and helps the character do what they couldn't do before? Number six is um, how does the character ultimately get what they wanted? And number seven is how is the character transformed as a product? Like that's the transformation. That's the difference between a story people just like oh they got what they wanted good for them <laughs> versus what they a story they love which is oh it made it like it changed them in some way and so your customer is a character who wants something who can't have it there's stakes if they don't get it and who or what comes along helps them do what they couldn't do before you you become like the guide who equips them with a proverbial sword in that in that case and in this case maybe it's not a sword it's a table or it's the 3D model thing you just printed and are selling and whatever, you know. And but the reason they're buying it isn't because it is like um, like they're buying it from you because it's it's going to help them do something they couldn't do before, and they get what they actually want, and it transforms them in some way. So to take the, the example of a table, um, I dabble in woodworking myself. I built my family's. Uh, my very first woodworking project was actually uh, I spent thirteen hundred dollars on solid cherry <laughs> and went nice. straight in. Okay, that, that's making, bold. Let's just start off with that. That's bold. I love it. <laughs> to give you my to give I'm like an all or nothing guy, I guess. The to give you some context, my previous woodworking project prior to this one was in first grade when I made a little stool in Boy Scouts. Okay? Yes. So I went from that, not knowing what I was getting myself into. I'm like, Cherry, I, we're, we're going to use this. I want it to be hardwood. I don't want the dent super easy like I was researching about pine and stuff. So dropped $1,300 on all this solid cherry, brought it home. And, uh, and so why do I drop, like, why am I building this table? Is it because like our family needs a table? No, we already had a table. Um, what problem was this solving? I wanted like to, what I wanted as the character, I wanted to build something that I could place in my home and be proud of. And especially at like a table is like a centerpiece for a lot of families. Like a lot of conversations happen around that. Um, you meals around it, you host and build relationships with people around it. We play game, board games around it. And so like, this is like a, 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 this represents, um, relationship building to, to me. 
And I wanted to ha- make something that I felt like I was proud of and it made me feel like this was my space. Um, so that's what I wanted. I didn't actually want the table. I wanted the thing the table was going to do for me. I Like you guys, if you draw, um, buy a drill bit, you're not actually buying a drill bit. You're buying the hole that the drill bit is going to make. Like you actually want the hole, not the piece of metal, right? And you don't actually want the hole. You want the thing the hole is going to ultimately do. So when you go to like create your content and build a YouTube channel or go to sell something, you have to understand that you're not actually selling this thing, like this object, like, Hey guys, buy this table. It's made out of solid. By the way, this table turned out great. Thankfully I had a um, (laughs) contractor friend of mine came over and I was like, I didn't have a table saw and a miter saw. Um, and I was finding it when it was just trying to screw, like the heads were popping off and all the screws, the wood was so hard. So even if I pre-drilled, this heads would still pop off of these screws. So, um, and they weren't, they were not the cheap screws either. I was just like, and not the drywall hard. screws. <laughs> no, they were the, um, hardwood, like, um, uh, number eight, I think, yeah. uh, um, uh, star bit oh, screws, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, from the GRK. Yeah. Or whatever. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, yeah. So they were, they were still popping off. So anyway, we had to lubricate each screw with beeswax to order to get everything. <laughs> there you go. But anyway, yeah. So anyway, it's like if you want to sell, grow the channel, it always comes down to those seven questions. Who is your target audience? What do they actually want? So I work with Disney, like Disney Park. We worked, we've done three deals with Disney, one with Disney Parks. And it wasn't like, hey, you're not actually promoting this roller coaster or this new exhibit you're actually like, it's the mom who's the target audience. She's buying. What does she really want? Does she really want to go on this roller coaster? No, this mom wants to plan a vacation that's going to bring her family together. When the rest of their life is sending the kids in that school, the dad goes to that job, she does this other job. They don't really see each other during the week. They want to go and have an experience where the family's going to be pulled together. And they're going to have these like, remember when conversations they're going to have for the rest of their life. And so, so we're not really selling the exhibit at Disney. We're selling... Like this is an experience that's going to pull your family together. I can give you lots of examples. Cosmetics isn't about beauty and makeup. It's about they're selling confidence to women. Um, the debt management software isn't about debt management and selling freedom. Right. So anyway, you guys get the idea. So that's the thing that most people miss when it comes to getting people to consume their content or buy their products or whatever. They think they're selling the thing, which is the video, but instead you're crafting the video for people like they have a problem. They're trying to overcome it. What problems does this table solve for them? That's the thing you're selling. Uh, or if it comes to a video, like they have a, they, they are faced with obstacles. How do you craft your content to be the, the sword that equips them on their journey? Kind of like you guys are doing this podcast. Your audience wants something, they're facing roadblocks and you give them advice to help them overcome it. Does that make sense or did I go too deep or too, I'm not quite sure where that landed. So <laughs> I was just kind of talking. <laughs> no, I love it. I love it. I think it's a, I think it's like the, it's a, it's a great way to look at content creation with a purpose, right? Um, you know, there's so many voices out there and, and they're not necessarily wrong, but that they're just like, you need to be everywhere, right? You need to be on Facebook. You need to be on Instagram. You need to be on Twitter. You need to be on Pinterest. You need to be on a blog. And where we Tangy. are. We don't are forget about tan- Tangy, Tangy, Tangerine, whatever this new thing is. But w- so we we are on we and we're proponents of that, right? We think that uh, having a social presence is vitally important. But the part that lacks in the back end, and, and this could even potentially be something that lacks in our message, is exactly what you just said. That 
the reason, right? That why that uh, that that problem solving aspect to whatever you're creating your content for. And what we find a lot on YouTube, especially in our space, is that most creators who are who are starting in the in the maker vertical are just looking at what's working out there for other people. Oh, I can do that. And then mimicking what someone else is doing and reproducing it in their own voice. And then they don't understand why they're not getting any growth. And I think what you just hit on, Tim, is the is is like the perfect storm of information on why you're not showing up in search or why you're not building an audience around something when there's other people doing the same thing. Like uh, so Brad and I have, have have beat our heads against the wall with this concept for a while. And I think that's common with with content creators in general. Right. Because you're like, why is my stuff doing as well as this other person's? And it's literally those seven factors you just touched on. Like if you if you break it down and you go and you're and you look at it, for instance, and even if you look at a great performing piece of content, let's say Brad has an, uh, an amazing piece of content on his channel that we had zero expectations of doing well. That was the refurbishing of a swing set. Right. And <laughs> we could not for the life of uh, like it was a great sponsorship opportunity. It was a fun project for Brad. Brad just wanted to literally fix it up and solve a problem for his kids not being able to play on it because it was falling to pieces. Mm, yeah, yeah. Right. But he goes ahead and he fixes it. And in concept, in preconception, we were like, dude, that's going to bomb. Like, <laughs> cross your fingers. Yeah, just power your... washing and staining a uh, <laughs> playset. Like, that was pretty much it. But it's blown <laughs> up for you, right? good. Why is it blown up? It... Well, it sounds like there's a character who wants something, which was you, but your kids want something too. And then there's stakes. If you don't do this thing, like you're letting your kids down. They're going to be disappointed. Your wife's going to be going crazy because she can't send them out of the house. You know, there's like, yeah, the stakes are, the stakes are high. And, uh, then there, then did you, did you show like the kids and their disappointment and then the excitement and stuff? You showed the transformation as well. We didn't show it. The transformation was more the physical transformation of that. But I think where, oh, okay. where, where more people, I, I think, and this is an interesting thing because where John was, was weaving into was also the relatability aspect yeah. of it because mm-hmm. what what I found I put that piece of content out and it in you know like things do on YouTube like it just sat for like 100 120 days and also one day I'm like what is happening I looked over and it is just going bananas and um and I started reading the comments and and you know I'm like obviously excited about it I just I don't know what's happening and that was my first video that that really uh went went viral. And, uh, what I found in the comments was a lot of people were saying, Oh, that, that looks exactly like this place that I had when I was a kid and like, ah. Oh, and so what I, what I figured out after like literally hundreds of these comments, like, are you at my old house? Like, oh, is that my, that's my, like my neighbor's house. Like, <laughs> did you buy my house? Like what I, I went back and looked and like the playset was probably like the number one selling playset in like 2000 to 2010 because like we bought our house which was built in 2005 i think 2008 and it had it already we bought the house it was here and so it was it was pretty aged and what we what i found that we tied into is this relatability this nostalgia about Mm -hmm. them so you know i I think that's an interesting piece that totally we totally overlooked of like how that piece would connect with somebody because what is also happening it was a much younger demographic than normal and when I looked at the demo, once it took off, the demo completely shifted to basically millennials because these mm-hmm. were the kids that were in elementary and middle school when that came out. So they were all playing on it. Now they're, you know, 18, 25 in that range and they're all watching it. And it's kind of that nostalgic piece. 
And, you know, so it's, it's giving them the experience of like, oh yeah, you know, kind of like the remember, oh man, it probably brought back memories to them about playing yeah. on their swing set. That's right. Yeah. So they, they were a character who wanted something, which was uh, to remember and to relive those memories. And your video was the tool that helped them do that. Yeah. So, I th- yeah. I think it's super interesting though. You know, conceptually you're like, man, this is just a project to fulfill you know, a, a sponsorship potentially or blah. And then when you actually go back and, and you break it down on why it performs well, it, it'll fit into all of those factors you were touching on. And when Brad said that, I was like, man, that is brilliant. Like it's too bad that <laughs> woodworking isn't a, isn't a, uh, isn't, isn't in the foremost attention of young people uh, growing up that you can always try and relate back to some sort of nostalgia with, with people in order to, in order to gain viewership and build an audience. Um, but with it, I think it's a it's a quality lesson to be learned. And I think it's a it's a it's a great example of um, how you can look at the story and the the concept of something much deeper than what's on the surface level. And I think it's a great place to start. Right. If you're getting into becoming a YouTuber and especially if you want to be a YouTuber in, in the DIY space, um, because it is I mean, it's it's ironically, it's not one of the uh, verticals that gets a lot of attention from YouTube in general, at least when they do their year end wrap ups and stuff like no love for the DIY space, but <laughs> not for the YouTube education space. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's crazy. But like, um, but with that still super crowded, right? There's still a ton uh, of individuals that are, that are jumping into it, which is amazing. Love seeing the growth of the community. Um, but you definitely want to come in with a game plan. And I love what you were saying there. Um, so like, for beginners, you know, touching on that seven elements of, uh, of a basic story and touching on the story brand concept, getting your channel started. Um, let's, you know, talk a little bit about um, getting into getting into the game and playing maybe SEO versus entertainment uh, type content, um, as that's something that our community specifically is. There's like a it's like a very distinct line down the middle. It's hard to weave in both considering most people that you know, want to be, uh, building something in woodworking are looking for a weekend project and they want to search for, you know, how to build a dining table and not so much caring about an individual like myself, who's, you know, very tall, dapper, handsome, hilarious, and all of this <laughs> great qualities and is also building dining tables. You know what I'm saying? So for, for, for beginners, um, how would you tread and, and get through that sort of mess that, that exists there? Yeah. So like <clears throat> instead of making a video that's about how to build a dining room table, like how do you make it more entertaining or how do you delineate the line between the entertainment and the educational or make one of them perform better or which, which ba- basically you know? any of it? Because as you see, there's a lot of questions. Right. Uh, all of it. Yeah. I think it's the mix. Okay. I think it's the mix because that's what we have people who are super hardcore, very instructional on one side. And then the other side who, you know, some of them don't even have voiceover. They're not telling you. They're just kind of showing you with really cinematic mm-hmm. shots. And what we find is that, uh, you know, how do you weave the two together so that when somebody is searching for a dining table, you'll show up, but they'll stay because of you. Yeah. Okay. That's a much bigger question than maybe you think it is. And I'm totally happy to go there, but it might take up the rest of our time. <laughs> so um, there's... There's a whole bunch of principles we got to talk about here. So um, let's see, where do we start? Number one, let's start with like, give me, let me give you guys a couple different buckets of content, like an overall content strategy for any good YouTube channel. And then we'll dive into the two, two of them and that'll hopefully make sense. So um, three, three buckets of content every, any, well, there's 
Uh, we'll say three. There's others, but for what you guys are talking about, there's probably three, which is one, discoverable content. We'll come back to that. Number two, it's community content. And number three, there's, it's sales content. Okay. So, uh, and you, you can't mix these very much in order if you, if you want to get, if you want to have growth. So number one, community or discoverable. So discoverable video is one where you're intentionally crafting it to talk to an audience who's never heard of you before. And they and frankly don't care. Uh, the only reason they clicked is because that title and that thumbnail tease some sort of value or pitch the story that they want to consume. And it was like, oh, that's what I need. And they click and they get into it. And so when you're crafting a discoverable video, don't do the, hey guys, welcome. My name is Brad and my name is John. And we really, and like people are gone. Like, I don't care who you are. I just want the thing I clicked for. Okay. So you have to immediately give them exactly what they clicked for, which means that you, before you even start shooting a discoverable video, you need to already know what the title and thumbnail is before you press record, because the title and thumbnail is going to set the expectation. And then the opening seconds need to affirm for that viewer that yes, what you clicked expecting to get is coming in this content and even encourage like, so the title and the thumbnail creates tension in the brain that people need to have resolved. And so that's what compels them to click. And then the opening seconds need to take that tension and just like up the ante. It needs to like just expand it and needs to make it even more like, oh, I thought it was this, but now I see the stakes, which is, you know, now you're going in the first 15 seconds, you're going through one, number one, two, three, and four. Who's the character? What do they want? Why can't they have what they want? What's at stake if they don't get it? And that all happens pretty quickly. All right. And then you can show your branding and then kind of get into the content, but just, you got to craft that content intentionally connecting the title, the thumbnail, the opening seconds, hooking their attention, holding them and going through it somewhere between like halfway through that video to the end. Now you need to start doing what you guys were alluding to, which is like they clicked, but we want them to now keep watching and watch more subscribe, come back. And that's when you like, we got to start making this transfer of like the, the credibility that you've earned so far in the opening minute or three or whatever of your video during the second half of that video, you need to start transferring that credibility to like, Oh, and I actually kind of like this guy too. Like I, I clicked not caring anything about Brad, but about halfway through, I'm like, now I kind of like care about Brad and his children because like, and that poor wife of his, if he doesn't get that place that redone, <laughs> you know, like there starts the human, the human connection. If all the metrics that come down to growth on YouTube, uh, watch time, session, watch time, subscribers, likes, these are all emotional reactions that people have. Like they respond, they watch your videos longer because they are feeling something. So we have to get some, not just like I got good information. See ya. But like, I got good information and I kind of like John, like I kind of want to stick around. Okay. So it's like, it's, it's social media. And so we got to start building those human connections, which is like a whole nother conversation. But let me maybe come back to that, how we do that a little bit more. But the, the summary though, is that the that second half of the discoverable video needs to start integrating things about your story. Who are you? You don't put that up front because they don't care yet. You got to put right. that towards the second. Who are you? Why do you like, what's at stake for you? Uh, what are you all about? What do you believe? Like strong, the strongest communities online and offline revolve around shared beliefs, not common interests. So like, if it's like, what does this mean to John and what, you know, all that, that kind of stuff. So you put that in the second half. The only call to action then is to get someone to click and watch another video, not to subscribe. It's, it's not to comment. Don't use any ending language. So let me know what you thought or 
like, well, that's all we got for today or anything like that. Like, boom, people are just going to ban you your content. You've told them no more value is coming. You may safely abandon it. They're gone. So instead, get them just like, now that you have this table, you're going to want some benches to go with it. Click right here. And you're pointing like visibly at the space where that video is going to be, that end screen. Click right here to learn how to make the perfect chairs or benches that will accompany this table. I'll see you guys in the next video. And then you just talk with the expectation that they're going to keep going. A normal click-through rate on end screens is around 0.7 to 1%. But when you start doing this, like some of our clients are getting like 30 to 40% click-through rates wow. on the end screens just because you haven't given the viewer permission to leave. <laughs> and it's not television, right? It's not like there's another show coming on next. That's, you know, so we make that right. mistake because television shows wrap up and then there's a teaser for the next one. They're not, that doesn't happen on YouTube. So just talk with like, Hey, we're not done yet. Now you need this and get them. The, and so what happens is if you get them to watch three or four videos of yours in a row, then you just start, uh, YouTube follows them around with your content for like the next week or so. You'll be on the homepage in front of them. You'll be suggested. I'm not, I'm not subscribed to Jimmy Fallon, but YouTube knows that like, if we put a Jimmy Fallon video in front of Tim, he'll watch a few of them and we'll just keep following him around with Jimmy Fallon. Oh yes. That's way more valuable than getting someone to passively click a red subscribe button, right? Yeah. So any question about this? Yeah. So how is, no, I, I love that. And I, and I love the idea around the different types of content. So two questions, I guess, to, to expand on that a little bit more when you're coming from discoverable and, and you may be thinking about our niche because it's, you know, like most of it's going to be DIY how to. So like for that specific example, where you said, yeah, Hey man, made this table and you're hitting to the, to the, the benches. Is that also going to be discoverable or is that then you you turn that into the community? And then I guess part of that question, which I'm sure you'll probably weave in and answer later is like, you know, what percentage of these videos? Like as you look at the, yeah, you know, how many should that be? Should be that one out of 10, you know, 20 percent, half of them. A hundred. How do those yep. two work together? Yeah. So uh, the answer to the latter question first, it depends on what your goals are. If you're a small ish channel just getting started focus primarily on discoverable, but you can't ignore community, which I'll talk about here in a second. Um, if you, I would say if you've got more than a hundred subscribers, you need to be doing community stuff too. Cause otherwise you're going to get a lot of, you could get a lot of people in with discoverable. I see this happening a lot. Channels can grow really big numbers with views and subscribers, but when it comes to sell something, no one buys cause no one actually like there's no strong, um, like the no like and trust factors haven't been built very strong. Mm. So you can't convert into sales. You don't really have like, and I've seen this also like you people like VidCon or some of these events where there's um, the people with the longest lines, like the, the creators with the longest lines and the meet and greets aren't necessarily the ones with the most subscribers. They're the people who have the, the who have engaged the best with their community. So like if you have 50,000 subscribers, your line could be longer than the guy with 5 million because those 50,000 are all like, I know this person. I like this person. I trust this person. I bought my ticket just to meet this person mm, versus right. the guy with 5 million has a pretty short line because he can get a lot of traffic, but the relational connection is low. And so he's, he's actually just kind of spinning his wheels on his channel. Yeah. Um, which is a whole nother conversation. Uh, so Answer your question. If you're getting 100 subs or less, just do Discoverable. If you get 100 subs or more, do Discoverable with community. And uh, and you can still do more. So if you're doing like one video a week, let's say you have between 100, 
subscribers and 100,000 subscribers, I would probably do like two community videos um, or two discoverable videos a month, one community video a month and one sales video a month. Um, Maybe a basic way, break it down. So, um, so, when, so to, to answer the question, like when they click, which that video in the end, should that be another discoverable video? It doesn't really matter as much if you like the craft of the discoverable video, they hook their attention, they get in the value they want, you're blowing them away. And now they kind of like, and I kind of like this guy, like towards, cause you're starting to integrate your story. What does this mean for you? What's at stake? You know, well, you set the stakes high already, but like they start to have an emotional connection. You're sharing what you believe about why this matters, that makes a big difference. It really gets people emotionally connected as well. Um, then when you get them into the next video, it doesn't really matter if it's another discoverable or community. I wouldn't go to sales necessarily, but uh, either one of those would be fine at the end of that. Nice. Cool, so a community video then is, uh, the, the main goal here is to grow the know, like, and trust factors. So this is not a video that's intended to go big. It's not supposed to get a lot of views. You're just publishing it to put it in front of your existing audience. Um, and like, you guys ever do that maybe on Instagram? You're like, you know, this isn't gonna get a lot of likes, but this <laughs> is just me. And like, this is just something I feel like I need to put out there. And my core audience is gonna love this, you know? Oh yeah, you guys definitely. Well, that's when, when we yeah. talk about, and, and you know, we've definitely fallen into that trap as well as like, and we, we've told people this very specifically. Uh, and this is more on like a business Instagram account. We said, don't post pictures of your family because you're going to lose subscribers and not, not don't, but don't put a lot of it out there because like on things like that, if there's somebody there and they're, they just want, they're just there for the pictures and stuff that they're going to drop off. But what right. that ignores is that, well, the people who drop off are probably the people that are not going to buy from you anyway, which I think is what exactly what you're getting into, that those are just passerbys and they're not in, you know, they don't know you, they don't like you, they don't trust you. Well, I think what's happening in that scenario is that they subscribed for one value and now you're giving them a different value. I'm not saying, uh, and, I, and I think that is, uh, I was not something I would recommend doing because like you said, you're going to, people be like, what? Like I'm here for this thing and now you're giving me that thing instead. It's like, that doesn't work. So you do need to have a pretty clearly defined value proposition for your channel or your Instagram or your branding and brand in general. Like what value do I propose to deliver to my target audience through my content? And every single piece of content needs to deliver on that. So yeah, if I posted a family vlog on my video creators channel, people would be like, what the heck are you doing? <laughs> like, we don't care about that. And they would unsubscribe for sure. But if I did a video, um, and this is more of the community, the way I think about it, it's a community video still delivers the value someone subscribed for and that they've grown to associate with your brand. But um, it does it, it's stuff like they would never otherwise think to search for. They would never know is like a trick that they needed to, to have. Like um, one of my favorite uh, woodworking channels is uh, Steve Ramsey from Woodworking for Mere Mortals. And uh, like some of his stuff is things I would search for, but some of it comes along and you're like, I never even knew to think about like how to solve that problem. I just thought that's just how everyone, like a stop block on a miter saw, I had no idea. <laughs> until I like I wouldn't I didn't even know to search for that until I saw what a stop blog was. I'm like, oh, I can get every board the exact same length and do it super quick, <laughs> you know? So that's probably not a, that's a that could be a discoverable video if it was set up the right way. But it's, it's not like people aren't searching for stop block, they're searching for the the solution to that right. Or the, Repeatable or, cuts to solve the so, problem. Yeah. Yep. 
Yes, exactly. So, um, so I wouldn't even know the search for that, but it comes along. I'm like, oh, that's exactly what I need. So it's still delivering the value, but it's um, not necessarily like searchable stuff. Uh, so for me, I have and do get away with putting stuff on my video creators channel that includes my family, but it's like um, how to edit with iMovie by a six-year-old or something, right? And it's my six-year-old actually is like showing you the trick. Like no one's going to search. It's not going to do super great a long-term, but people got good value out of it. And now they're introduced to like my daughter, for example, or something. Um so like once one video, this example, this from my, my channel is like, um, like one of our clients is a up and coming Disney, um, personality on the Disney channel. Um, he's already been in tons of movies. He's actually, um, if you guys watch Alan or Tim Allen's show, last man standing, it's his grandson in the, in that, in that show. But anyway, um, so he's doing really well on television, but he's doing stuff on television on YouTube and it's not working. And I'm like, you can't, it doesn't work on YouTube. You can't do this stuff here and it's not going to work. And so I just quickly shot a video with him. Like, um, if you want to grow on YouTube, don't be like TV. And we just shared a couple of those principles and my audience, my engaged audience really liked it. It grew the no like and trust factors with me, but it wasn't something that I ever knew to search for. So the whole point here is just to be more human, more personable, still deliver the value. But at the end, the call to action is engagement. So transaction number one is keep watching more videos from a discoverable video. Now transaction number two, you're asking a little bit more, which is now starting engaging with my brand. Comment like, how would you guys solve this problem? Like, man, like this is how I assemble these joints, but I'm sure you guys, like I learn from you guys all the time. You guys are so super, super smart. Like what other options should I have considered that I didn't think of? And if you're thinking about making this joint right here, read the other comments down below. You're going to learn tons from them. I always do. Thank you guys for being a part of this community. It's just like get the engagement going. And the whole goal there is to grow the know like and trust factors. And so the only call to action there is comment. The third video real quick is the sales content. And this is where you are making a video that's intentionally designed to get someone to click and leave YouTube. Okay. So like, what too many people do is they make a video that they want to be discoverable, but they also want it to not only rank number one and get tons of views and generate a lot of subscribers and get lots of likes and lots of comments, but they also want to generate a lot of sales and grow their email list. And like you, you can't <laughs> accomplish 15 different things with one piece of content. So just one thing Darn. per content. So discoverable. it's so attractive, Tim. It's I so mean, attractive. it's so attractive <laughs> to like, let's do it all. <laughs> you don't do it anywhere at like your website, like the front yep. page. It's all of your website, but your homepage has a, a different goal. Then your contact page oh, yes. is a different goal than your about page. So you don't try to do everything on one page. Right. Some, I guess, have a parallax, super long page. But um, anyway, same thing here. So the sales video, like if you make a discoverable video that's intended to drive like a sale to your affiliates or it's intended to um, uh, like get leads to your email list or something, if it's effectively ending the viewing session, that's a negative signal to Google and they don't want to, they won't surface content that's that's causing people to abandon YouTube. So if they have two options of videos, video A keeps people on YouTube for 30 more minutes and video B only keeps people on YouTube for two more minutes, they're going to surface video A all day long. 
So you, so basically what we're doing, you're treating our YouTube subscribers the same way we treat our email subscribers, which is we have this discoverable video slash lead magnet that brings them in. Then we have this like three or four email, like nurturing campaign that they go through right when they get that, which is your community content. And then email number five or six leads into a pitch for a sale, which is like our sales content. Now the sales content is not a commercial. It is still delivering value, but is leading to like, okay, I understand the problem I have and why this doesn't work. Go download this thing, buy, sign up, register, like whatever the, the case might be. Get off, the, get the heck off of YouTube. And that's when you then convert them into the sale. So that was like part one of the discussion to your question. Uh, <laughs> you, you guys want to dive in there? Or right. you want to talk about well, how do we get people to actually emotionally engage? I think, well, I think what you Go touched ahead, on there is like, it's a... It, I know when Brad and I got started on YouTube, it was a copycat game for both of us, and it was beat and repeat. Just do what we were already doing, put it out there, see what works, try and hit something again that's close to what worked for you. And not having a strategy or not having an understanding of why something works or the the strategy on you know which I get bucket or sort of video fits into, um, and should I be basing everything around it or nothing around it or like why or whatever um, leaves it wide open and confusing for when you get, when you get started and, and, and all honesty, and I've talked about this on the show, like this has pretty much been where I've lived for two and a half, three years is like, why, why didn't that, uh, what am I trying to do? Like, where am I going with this? Why isn't this one working or like, what's the problem? And a lot of it was, you know, you just touched on in, in your last statement there was, I was trying to do all of it, every video all the time, always. Oh yeah. And, yeah. and I don't, because I always looked at YouTube and I go, I am so cool. Why don't people just love me? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But yeah. you can get into that habit of going like, well, I do this a little bit better than that person. Like people should know that and they should watch me. Right. Or, uh, th you know, I got this competition in the space. Like that's not the right wrong. That's not the right way to do it. They should be watching me because I do it better and, and more correctly. And that's not actually how you should be conceptualizing it. So what you touched on there, it's, it's, it's a brilliant piece of advice and, and strategy towards understanding the viewer, not so much as understanding yourself and then strategizing your product, which is your video, essentially towards the viewer and not towards where you feel there's a gap in the market. Right. You need to like right. literally consider that exact person sitting down in front of whatever screen they're on and break them down individually and then strategize your content towards them. Right. And then you need to use the platform as its own self-sustaining entity in order to, to grow. You can't think about all those other things outside in the world to grow your platform for you. Um, and, I, and, I, and that's where I see a lot of beginners fall into and, and struggle with. Um, so some really good stuff there. My only the, the one thing I'd be uh, I'd be interested in is like, what do you so channels that are there are channels out there and they're huge that put out just discoverable content strategically, you know, what, what, like, how is that working? Right? Like, how do you like if, and this leans into where you want to go into next, but how do you develop an audience that is engaging around solely discoverable content? Yeah. If all you're looking at is numbers, numbers are a good way to measure like how many people are viewing, mm -hmm. but it's a terrible way to measure, uh, the strength of a community. The best way to measure the strength of a community, I think is with sales. Yeah. People who are actually going to like pull out their wallet and make a transaction. So I know, I know, um, friends of mine who have, um, like one person in particular I'm thinking of has a 1.5, 1.6 million subscribers make $600 a month. Ooh. Okay. 
Yeah. Wow. So this, there's this, this people think that the bigger my audience, the more money I make, which is not even true. Um, when, when my channel video creators had 3000 subscribers, it was generating $10,000 a month. Okay. So this is really, and this is again, another conversation, but it's really like how is the, the quality of your business model, which is the rationale for how an organization creates, delivers and captures value. Most organizations, most creators are really good at creating and delivering value, but they haven't really figured out the capture value part. They just, they think like employees, they think my job is to work really hard and make like this amazing content and it's YouTube's job to pay me. And that's not how it works, no. you know, and then they get frustrated. So, um, I think I went off on a tangent. What was your question? Again? Well, I was going to say, so, uh, so essentially like, I think what you're leaning into is that you need to have a plan for what type of channel you want before you start putting out a channel. If you want to see growth in, in either direction, oh. right? If you want to be just discoverable and just grow a massive audience for literally no reason, go ahead. Just understand exactly what you said. You can have yeah, one and a half million a, that's subs a, and make no money. Exactly. And I see it all the time. It's not like it's like it's kind of like one of those hidden secrets that the guys who are the they look at the, like they're at the top of the game and they want that perception to be there because they need that perception for business purposes. But in actuality, when I work with them behind the scenes, it's like like one guy I worked with had over uh, at this time uh, he had six million subscribers and he wasn't making enough to hire anyone else to help him. That's and he was bananas. working 80 hours a week trying to get. Yeah. So it's not like money and audience size do not like, it's not a one for one correlation. It's all about the business model behind it. So, um, yeah, so this is, this is, this is, uh, a little less about how big do I get? And it's a little bit more like how, how well do I create and deliver value? Yeah. And how well do I capture value in the depth? Like if the goal is make money, then, then, it, then this community stuff makes a really big difference. Mm -hmm. The smaller channels move more merch all day long than the big channels do because they typically have a more intimate connection with their, with their audience. There's getting, they're getting really good value from them. So, um, and that community stuff real quick, you mentioned it. So maybe you've already talked about it here in the past, but the primal branding stuff, like that's like, that's key, which is like, who are you? What's your, who's your creations? What's your backstory? Where'd you come from? What do you believe? What's your creed? What icons elicit um, emotions in me when I see them and represent them with your brand? What are the rituals, the repeated interactions I grow to love and expect on every single piece of content with you? Like one of my favorite channels, Do Perfect. It's always pound it, noggin, see ya, love, right? Love every that. video. <laughs> yes, the, the, the celebrations are iconic. You know their backstory, friends in school who like started this one trick shot video. It went big and then they made another. And um, yeah, so anyway, like without getting in off track, but um, it's the rituals, the icons, uh, the sacred words. Like what are the, what's the inside language that we use? Not on an industry level, but for a brand level, like this is the language we use here. Like you even said it, like it's about reaching people, changing their lives. That's like my creed and inside like life changers is like our inside language. Um, who's the leader of this charge? Who are the non-believers? Like you need to have the haters because if you're not standing for something, no one else is going to stand with you. And then you have a really weak community. And so you actually need some opposition from the outside to force your community to link arms together about something. And that's really important too. So all those things and more read the book, primal branding, if you haven't already, but go into how do you make, how do you quickly get someone to be like, Oh, 
I love that brand. I want to engage with them on a deeper level. So, but I love this, by the way. I can't wait to re-listen to this episode. <laughs> which, which okay, I, I feel like I'm so scatterbrained uh, right now. No, I'm like, Tim, I mean, you can ask Brad too. Like I very rarely re-listen to what we, what we post because I don't edit it. Uh, so like, unless I want to listen to myself talk, I don't, but um, it's so much good stuff here. It is, it's, uh, uh, it's got me fired up. Um, so like just to, you know, kind of bring it, bring it back a little bit to our community specifically, if you're listening to Tim right now and you're getting as excited as I am, and I know Brad is talking about this conversation and you are se- sleeping, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. his screen froze with his eyes closed. Um, and if you're, if you're creating products and you want to get on YouTube, you need to have a plan before you start making content for exactly what Tim was just touching on. If you're trying to drive to sales, your content's gonna look and your strategy is gonna look completely different than if you're trying to educate people to build things for themselves. It is two completely different business concepts and different markets, different audiences. All of it is 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 uh, just proper strategic aspects of growing on YouTube or growing any type of audience that matter. Um, ironically, episode, uh, Three or four of the show, Brad and I talk about Seth Godin's tribes. And like you are just pounding that concept home hard right now. And, and I could tell it's something you're passionate about. And I think our audience can too. But that is just such a good point and, and something that I really wanted to just reel it back in a little bit and touch on as we get deeper into the show. On if you're any if you're making content and you're like, I sell so many cutting boards, I want to go on YouTube and show people about cutting boards. The strategy to create an audience around your sales. A dynamic compared to an audience around an educational or entertainment dynamic are two different things. And you need to have a plan in place before you do it or else you're going to fall to the wayside, get get burned out, not understand why it's not grown and go through all of those issues that we were just talking about. Yeah, one thing I feel like I didn't quite answer, which you guys touched on and you just mentioned it again here, John, which is like entertainment versus educational. Like, how do you know which way to, to go with that? And they are two very different audiences. Like I appreciated Steve Ramsey's older content where it was about um, like every single screw hole and like it was like a 45 minute long video. Like this is for someone who actually wants to sit down and build this thing. Yes, right. Versus the 45 second Instagram video, which is everything's in high speed. And like no one, can, there's a whole study. I wish I could pull this up because I quote the study often. I need to go find it again. Um, I read this study. It was done on DIY maker related channels and it's a few years ago. And basically it was like, why do people watch this stuff? And, and then taste made stuff like here's how you assemble your guacamole. Boom. It's done. Right. You know? And, and what they came out of it was like, most people watch that content, not because they actually want to go and make that guacamole or build that table or that cutting board or, or whatever. It's because they just want to have the satisfaction of feeling like if I wanted to make that, I could, mm. but I don't want to, and I don't really want to try, but they just want the feeling like I could do that if I wanted to. So when they did in the study is they took um, people who all watched these different DIY videos and things. And they said, um, you guys like, they watched like the quick taste me 45 second thing or the quick like assembly build or whatever. How many of you guys feel like, how confident are you that you could make that now? Everyone's like 95% confident. Like, All right, here you go. Make it. Here's, here's some and avocados. Like, oh. And it, and only 50, it was like, like 52% or something like some low fifties percent actually could make the thing. And none of them looked the way it actually did in the video which is not surprising when we think about it. I think I'm just saying that to identify that 
understanding what our audience wants is really important. Do they really want to build this thing? Then great, make that content knowing that that might be a little bit smaller of an audience of the people who are actually like me, like when I was changing the, the, the alternator on our lawnmower. I literally went through that like a long video step by put it on pause. Okay. Undo this now play pause, you know, do that next step. That's a much different audience than the person who's just like, ah, I would love to like kind of just feel like I could do that thing. And so, and it doesn't mean that the smaller audience is less valuable. Like I've already identified like smaller values, audiences can be extremely valuable financially. It's just that you need to kind of identify. So I'm going to summarize everything. Cause I feel like I'm in my head, I'm all over the place, which is um, to answer the big question you asked at the beginning, Brad, like how, how does someone new get started on YouTube? It's number one, you have to clearly know who your target audience is. Who are you going after? Not just demo, demographic info, but know their their story, what they want, their desire, like what's their struggles, their pain points, what's at stake for them. Know that intimately inside it out. And then two, what is your value proposition? Like what value do you propose to deliver to someone in that audience, target audience? And you have to deliver, deliver that in every single piece of content you make whether it's discoverable, community, sales, whatever, it all has to deliver that value and help that target audience get what they actually want. And then number three, in order to make money of this, you don't, you can't just know how to create and deliver value. You need to know how to capture value and you start using strategically the sales content. And if you know who you're going after, the target audience and the value proposition you're delivering, then whatever you're selling needs to deliver that same value. So they're getting like one X that value for free on your channel and they're, but they're going to get 10 X that value if they do buy this thing from you. Uh, so it's, if, if you're kind of like, Hey, I'm going to teach you how to make these, these cutting boards. And by the way, now you can buy a cutting board that might be a little bit of like a different value because someone watching how to make one might not be in the market for actually buying one. But you maybe you could teach them like sell something that teaches them how to make it in more detail or something. It just all has to be aligned. If there's any sort of discrepancies anywhere there, you're going to see um, either the channel is going to have a hard time growing. People are going to have a hard time getting to the content. You're not going to see much sales, many sales, like all that. It kind of breaks down. So, yeah, yeah dude, that yeah. I, <laughs> it is. It's just like I, I know because I've like I said, I've been watching you for a long time, Tim. So a lot of this is is you just saying the same thing, which is what we would expect. Right. But, uh, you know, for new people, I can just imagine they're going to be like rewind. Like you were on the alternator, be like, wait, well, hold on. What did you just say? Like rewinding, <laughs> because that's like our audience. My head goes faster than my mouth does sometimes. <laughs> Sorry. That's, that's all good. It's perfect. Uh, Cause our audience uh, is very engaged in trying to grow their business and trying whatever that is at the moment, whether it's trying to grow sales uh, of their products or trying to grow their Instagram or trying to grow their YouTube. And again, you know, everybody wants it all. But uh, I also love the idea of almost uh, you're giving permission, if you will, to not worry about the size of the audience, because, you know, and, and, and I've, you know, I've absolutely fallen victim to that uh, a lot. But is that it's that's not necessarily what it's about if you're looking at the longevity and the profitability of your business. It's it's more about that conversion, about, you know, the tribe and all that. So uh, I really love how you hit on that. You know, I, I mean, you just did an awesome recap. We're coming up here on an hour. We want to be respectful of your time. You did an amazing recap. So we're, we typically ask for a piece of advice, but instead we do have one specific question. I think we want to ask you instead that we didn't hit on. Uh, we we kind of dusted over the top of it. But one of the things in the DIY space that is is so prevalent, uh, and I don't know if it's just because of search or or what, 
but is that huge decline. So when we look at our retention graphs, you know, John and I are always in the analytics that within the first 30 seconds, we're typically down to 70 percent. And then it and then it levels off. So, you know, I'm, I'm trying to uh, you know justify and John and I were typing a couple notes back and forth here, but trying to justify in our heads how that works and thinking about discoverable content and, and getting straight to the action versus community. But it seems, uh, you know, that most of the videos and most of the content creators that we talk to and are friends with and share metrics with, we all have the same thing. Huge drop off the first to, you know, 70 percent ish. And then but then it, it stays pretty good. And, and, you know, following your advice, you try to like if I can end the video over 50 percent, I feel great. And typically I do. But that first, you know, how do we grab more people at the beginning? Is that just the nature of autoplay and people getting dumped into it? And then they're like, wow, I didn't want this to play. Like, you know, what are what are some specific pieces of advice you could share with uh, with us? Or is it the same across every channel, uh, you know, that that happens? But what are some things that we can do to help prevent that, you know, as a DIY creators? Yeah, so it's a it's a it's an experimentation game, and I'll give you a few ideas of what I would experiment with. I haven't found one thing that's like the magic bullet that works on every channel, but some of these things work amazingly well on some channels and have opposite effect on others. So a couple a couple ideas. Um, so one idea to help fi- to fix that drop off is to um, what sometimes creators will do is they'll have the title and thumbnail. Remember, we said this sets an expectation. And then they basically just repeat the same thing in the opening second. So if the, the title is like how to build a table, then you get in like, hey, guys, today we're going to teach you how to build a table and blah, blah, blah. And people are like, I know. That's why I'm here. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't need that information again. Oh. So it's not doing what I said earlier. It's not increasing the tension. It's just kind of like I get it and it's wearing off and I'm out. Okay. So instead, one thing that like one thing, stop doing that. So use actually some people have used their title and thumbnails as the hook, basically. And then when the content opens, it's like right into it. Like we worked with one lady, also a DIY um, how to more how to channel. Um, uh, She's a food photographer. And the video is titled something like I forget, but it's something like how to how to do lighting, like lighting tricks for food or something like that. And instead of opening the video. Hey guys, welcome. Today we're going to teach you how to do lighting tricks for your food and blah, blah, blah. And people are like, I know, I already guess what I clicked for. Instead, it's like you click play and it starts off. So the first thing you want to do is make sure that this light is not casting too much shatter like over here and just like boom, right into the content. And her audience retention graph starts at 120% and just stays like 120% and then it comes down to like 80%. Just because they're rewatching that beginning. Yes. Right. Because they're like, how do you get, yeah. How do you get over 120? It's because people go back. Right. And it, it, it's a little time. They're like, what happened? And they go back and watch it again. Uh, Yeah. So remember, this is not television on television. It's normal to have, Hey, welcome. My name is so-and-so and blah, blah, blah. Like this is not television. People consume with different expectations, looking for different values they're trying to consume um, the, the environments like sets a different expectation. So movie theater, you have a different expectation when you walk in there than if you're watching TV, than if you're watching TikTok, than if you're watching Instagram, right? They all have different expectations. So that, that kind of like jarred their expectation. Like, Ooh, I'm right into it. Like, let me go back and catch up. Cause this is what I clicked for, but I didn't expect it to come this fast. Then we tried that on other channels and the exact opposite happened and people were just too confused and it dropped to like 40% right away. Mm. Okay. So I'm not saying that's a magic bullet. That's why I say like experiment with that. So, um, a combination of getting right into the content faster, 
of setting a, um, using the title and thumbnail as the hook instead of the opening seconds. Uh, the most consistent thing is one thing I said before, which is the title and thumbnail sets an expectation or creates tension. Like, how does that work? Or what does happen next? Or is that for real? Or like, whatever, you know? And then it, oh, this is what Mr. Beast does perfectly. Uh, one is like, he set his, he creates crazy tension in the brain with that title and thumbnail. And then you click and it's not repeating it. It's actually expanding and like creating that, making the tension even go even higher before he starts to address it through the story. So... Um, did I answer your question? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think those are good. And, and, you know, we've, we've dabbled with those too. Like that's something that, um, on both sides of it, right. Because that's one thing I, th I think that we realized a, a long time ago. And, and, uh, you know, again, just watching the metrics is, is the, uh, is coming in fast and getting out fast. And we've been talking about that on the mm -hmm. show for a while, uh, is like getting into that content. And there was even like somebody, I don't know if this was just something I watched or if it was an actual thing, like somebody made this, like, it was like a, a YouTube, like law or something and it was basically like or like a, a theory that you could basically fast forward through the first 30 percent of any video and like then get to the content because there's so much of like you know talking yeah, yeah. and i do that all the time it's like would you play like i'll scrub and wait till i don't see their face anymore and then yeah. hit, and then hit play because like i'm looking for a tutorial on photoshop and it's like i know if i see mm -hmm. your face i'm not getting any value because I, what i want to see is you going through the menus Right. And that kind of yeah. stuff. So it's it's interesting to um, to hear that, you know, that same style and also that, well, yeah, maybe it's great in one side and the other and the experimentation and, and viewing it. Uh, I think that that's a great tip for folks to go back. And and I think the biggest thing is just being really intimate with your analytics, too. And and because after you do that, you need to know what to go back and look for. So like, yeah, most important things for you, just uh, I won't say them, but like what what would be those like four main things that people should be looking at? in their analytics to, to track if they're going to iterate. Mm -hmm. Um, these are, might not make sense immediately, but hang on for a second. The, the first thing I would look at is, um, the combination, not any of these in isolation, but the combination of impressions, click through rate and watch time. So people just will pull one of those out and like, why am I in click through rate? Like you can't look at any of those in isolation. That's why, um, YouTube studio tries to put that into a funnel. So you look at them all together. So evaluate that um, and how do you get your click-through rate higher, titles and thumbnails, but not in a way that compromises watch time, right? Which would be clickbait. So um, those three I would definitely look at. I would also make sure you watch your end screen, um, uh, end screen elements shown is what it's called. And that's like a good way to quickly see across all your content, what percentage of people who click play are getting to the end of my video. And then look at click through uh, end screen elements click through rate, which is all right now what percentage of people click to keep going, which we talked about and why that's important with discoverable content. So we have um, when we work on a longer term basis with with clients, um, like for one of our uh, one one creator we work with has about four and a half million subscribers, and we made different groups in their analytics to see like, what's it for him? What's the difference between a 300,000 view video, which would be like his community versus a video that goes over a million views. What's the difference between those? Put them as a groups. And we've seen this consistently across channels. The biggest difference is um, there's like a really big gap in end screen elements shown and end screen element click through rates between a video that gets 300,000 or less or a million views or more for him. So we could start predicting pretty quickly how this video is going to perform long-term based on just those two stats. 
So, which comes down to like how much time are people spend watching. And so, um, so that comes down to like storytelling as well. How do I hook and hold their attention? So the, the question people usually ask then is like, well, how long should my videos be? And based on these stats, what we see is like the length of your video doesn't matter. The better question is how skilled are you at holding someone's attention? And the right. longer and the better you can hold someone's attention, then just do that. If you can only get enough, to, if not good enough, that's not bad. <laughs> if your skill level is only at like two minutes, I mean, like start at two minutes. But if you can go 30 minutes to 30 minutes, you know, that's kind of what it comes down to. That is awesome, dude. Like, really, I think that this is some fantastic knowledge. And this is stuff that you deliver weekly on there. Well, what's the best place where folks can go check you out and hear more if they really want to dive deep? Because as you were talking through this, I remember you did this cool chart about uh, exploring impressions if you had high impressions, but low click through and those type things. Oh, so, yeah. you know, if, if they really want to dive deep, where should they go to find you, Tim? I think that one was actually my email list. I don't know if I made a video about, maybe I made a video. I don't know. I have, um, yeah, youtube.com slash video creators. If you want a new video every Thursday, that's just designed to help you learn how to master the platform, grow your audience, reach more people, change lives, make money, all that stuff we uh, post a new video there and then we also live stream there every um our podcast actually we live stream that on mondays but you can also find our podcast video creators and itunes soundcloud stitcher google play wherever you listen to podcasts and uh if you want our free guide it's called the secret to building your youtube audience you can download that at videocreators.com and I just realized that I violated my uh, my thing of only one call to action. <laughs> I gave you three. So if I'm going to give you one, since you're a podcast audience, my target audience is <laughs> podcast listeners. So I have a podcast every Tuesday. Just search for video creators and you'll find it. Perfect. It's, it's, it's too it. attractive, isn't it? It's too, you I just know, get going. Like, I want to do 15 things. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, dude, I, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, you know, you've been on our list for a while and we just have have uh, taken too long to reach out. And once we did, you were very gracious and uh, getting very connected uh, through your team, yeah. which is a whole other topic, uh, which, you know, maybe we can have you on again because it uh, looks like you've built a an awesome team and, and just seeing that. So uh, really great information. And I know the audience is going to really love this one. So thank you so much for coming on, Tim. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Dude, I am going to be listening to this at least two more times, like taking more notes. That was just like an insane amount of strategy and goodness out of one episode. Yeah, it, absolutely ridiculous. Uh, getting to hear from someone who just has so much knowledge and experience is something I absolutely personally love, no matter what the field is. Um, and in being that I struggle with literally everything he talked about, I will definitely be listening to this episode at least four times, maybe five, maybe four yeah. times. Like just on six. repeat. I, it is. It is. It, it just, uh, when somebody can speak. So I like, I loved how he was just like, he wasn't going off cues or like he was listing these things, like the seven elements of a story. Yeah, they're, it was they're just in like, his heart. They're in his heart. Yeah. They're, they are ingrained and it just, uh, it, it really goes to show if you want to master something, whether that's, you know, like what Tim has or something, in your own business, like knowing it inside and out and just being able to speak like that. Yeah. Uh, you know, you'll really know that you've gotten somewhere. So yeah, and loved pops up loved in conversation. So casually. Yeah. Oh yeah. Same thing. Like, you know, talking benefits to your customers, something like that, like all oh. the things about your product or whatever it is that you're trying to do. I think there's just even learning lessons of just hearing him present. So yeah. 
I love it, man. If you want to hear uh, more about Tim and he gave you uh, his podcast to go to, we'll have links to all of his places, even though he did do uh, three calls to action. We'll have those in the show notes. You can head over to madeforprofit.com forward slash episode 123. That is one, two, three. Easy as ABC. Uh, and hit that up and you can find out more about Tim. Yeah. And if you want to join the conversation that is happening over on Facebook with our beautiful MFP tribe, you're going to want to go to facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash made for profit tribe. Loving what's happening over there. That thing was steaming while we were taking time it. off. It was it was just cooking for months. Love it. Ab- growing, absolutely. Growing. Yeah, it was a cauldron of knowledge. So head on over there. <laughs> yeah, like so Tim. we came, came back with a bang and, uh, you know, stay tuned. I, quite honestly, uh, we're just super excited to record this one with Tim and, and we haven't exactly figured out what our cadence is going to be going forward, but uh, we wanted to take the opportunity to share this one with you guys and uh, we appreciate you staying around and we're looking forward to giving you some more awesome information. So stay tuned and stay on the ride for 2020. But until next time, have a good one. Peace. Peace.